Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Hi, welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Uh, welcome, Rabina. How are you doing today? I'm well, Phyllis. Thank you. So, always so good to be here with my co-host, Rubina, who's in California, and I'm on the East Coast. Um, time changed here, so uh, we, we lost an hour, but uh, we have some beautiful sunshine here today. What about you? Uh, we also have beautiful sunshine. It's a little crisp and chilly. I think we're anticipating rain over the next couple of days. It's beautiful. Uh- Oh, well, we have like um, spring weather here. It's in the 60s. People are out wearing shorts, but I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't know if it will last, but it, at least uh, it's worth enjoying for the day. Definitely. Definitely. You so, know what, what I've noticed is there are so many birds out and I've had uh, the red-tailed hawk and all kinds of birds just even, even coming closer and closer to the to the house. Or I think maybe they're looking for food in the grass. And but I've I've noticed a lot more birds are out as well. Not only us. Everybody's enjoying the the weather. Oh, that's great. I love birds actually. And I, I come to think of it, in the last couple of days, I've had heard more birds outside my uh, my window as well. I actually love hearing a. The sound of birds singing. It's very joyful to me. Very nice, yes. So we're going from actually something joyful to something a little more serious uh, today. Not that all the topics we speak about aren't serious, but um, today the topic is empathy. And um, I've actually trademarked that word recently and um, it's about self-compassion and self-care and self-kindness and self-forgiveness and and I really came up with the word when I was doing a training on on uh, communication and empathy and um, talking about caregivers and how how caregivers need to care for themselves and I don't know the word popped into my head I was actually talking about somebody with it and I said well, there's a concept for you. So I'm glad, Rubina, that you're um, you suggested that we do the show about this today. Uh, definitely, definitely, Phyllis, and uh, I really am grateful for you to share that blog with me. And I'm hoping that this article will get uh, a lot wider circulation. It's uh, empathy, a tool for resilience, and uh, I, I want to share it with the audience that. You shared this article with me for oh well over a week ago, maybe even two weeks ago. But I only read it this morning just because of what's been going on. And it touched my heart so much that I can't even put in words. And, um, and I want to thank you for, for that. Now, you just shared briefly that you came up with the word empathy, a tool for resilience. And... And one thing that came to me, uh, Phyllis, this morning as I was reading this, uh, you have, you know, we've gotten to know each other for about a year and a half or closer to two years now. Right. And it really came to me that how we don't always know each other, where the other is coming from. 
And over the last couple of weeks with the, you know, my personal situation as a caregiver, which we will talk in, in a few moments, you were there for me in very subtle ways. And I didn't quite appreciate the depth from where you were coming until I read your article. Um, <laughs> and I and and what 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 really came to me is that how we don't always how we don't often recognize the gems that are right next to us, and we're always looking away and around, and we, how we don't go mm-hmm. to our closest of circles, and in that into ourselves. Right, uh, and, and that was another realization that I had uh, uh, that we do need to get to know each other better so that we can appreciate each other and also we can support each other. And I find this culture is not, even the best of friends don't even know so much about each other. I, I don't know. I agree. I agree. And um like I said, I did this. Um, I did this training. It was a three-day training at a nursing home. I actually did it as a as a one-hour presentation um, first for a group of professionals, um, and then I did this three-hour training at a nursing home. And it's interesting that you say that about people not knowing each other, because one of the exercises I did had to do with people getting to know each other through a series of questions and you know techniques that I used. And we talked about how um, everybody really has an experience, but unless you really open yourself up or are willing to listen to the next person, will you be aware that there's that everybody is, has some experience that they're going through? Mm-hmm. And, and go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, but uh, you know, I wanted to complete my thought and and share with the audience that that you are a tremendous resource, that we're always inviting our guests and sharing their information and having people, asking people to contact them. And I want to upfront, right in the beginning of this show, encourage our audience to reach out to you and to utilize your capability, that you also truly are a tremendous resource in uh, in, in many areas as it uh, concerns communications, uh, caregivers, nursing homes, uh, and to go to uh, Voice for Elder Care Advocacy. I think that's your personal website, right? Uh, uh, Voiceforeldercare.com, yeah. Yeah, okay, for, for Voice for Elder, there's so many voices. Yeah, I know, so many and voices, any, right? <laughs> any of the ways, please reach out to Phyllis, either for her three-day training for t- nursing homes or, or any combination thereof, or her one-hour touch-based training on uh, on empathy, a tool for resilience. And uh, I, And I appreciate you for being there for me. Oh, thanks, Rubina, so much. For sharing that, and um, you know, I, I, I might. Well, we'll get in. I guess we'll get into it more as as the conversation goes along, uh, without getting you know too emotional because sometimes these topics become very emotional. Um, but like you said, you don't really know. Um, what a person is going through. And I guess I've had my own journey 
And um, as a result of that journey, that's how, you know, it's not just theoretical knowledge. It's based on my own journey. And um, I think that when you're working with other people, sometimes that's the best place to come from because you can understand that in their journey might not be your journey, but you've had a journey. Right, right. Well, well put. And so, so the I, I, you know, I just wanted to say, um, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, one more thing about it, which is, you know, you mentioned, you know, your your circumstances, and without, like I said, going into too much depth, I think um, last week we we had mentioned that your father had passed away, but bef- but in previous shows we talked about you being a caregiver from a distance, that your parents lived in Canada and you're in California. And you're an only child and how difficult that experience is. It's tiring, it's fatiguing, it's stressful. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. It's it's all those things, tiring and fatiguing. And and, uh, at my father's funeral, I found myself thanking my family, my husband, and, and saying that I was grateful for the support that I had in being able to support my parents. And I think that for the caregiver, their, the support from their immediate mm. circle is also very important. And I put you in that uh, circle as well, as oh. well as I know, as well as I know, because you have all been uh, been very, very supportive. Uh, yes, and we can briefly talk about the experience. Um, my... I got a, I walked to my office one morning uh, and I got a call just as I reached my office. Remember, I was doing personal fitness. I had to yes. walk, right? So 45-minute <laughs> walk to office, very happy. I walked in the door into the conference room, phone rings, and the news was that my father had deceased. So I closed the conference door, conference room door, didn't even go into my office, and I was there for the next two hours on just simple logistics of having his body moved from the nursing home where he was to the funeral home. And since I am the only child, and uh, you know, I had to make those phone calls and arrangements. Uh, luckily. I have friends that live nearby him, so that was big support. Um, A week and a half after that, we had the funeral. At the same time, you know very well that we were involved in a very significant opportunity and a proposal for Olive and senior support services Mm -hmm. that we were all diligently working on. Yep. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. Uh, So... So basically, I had to put my feelings on the back burner and just and just go into the go mode. And I, I think I'm blessed with that uh, that capability that when I'm in a situation like that, I can section off my duties and my feelings and and go in the go mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went for the funeral and. Uh, and on the airplane there, I read the draft of the document and uh, sent a response back to my office that night. And you know all this was going on, right. Phyllis. I returned 
the funeral was a Saturday and I returned on Sunday. Monday by five o'clock, that big proposal was due. And uh, I'm hoping that the result will be positive And then in time, we will share it with the audience what that particular right. uh, proposal is. And, uh, and we turned it in at 4.40 p.m. on Monday. So next day, Tuesday, I canceled my morning schedule because you were telling me I need to have empathy. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me have empathy. I don't need to take my nine o'clock meeting. So I canceled my nine o'clock meeting and I was able to get some self-care. Some self-care. And I was actually able to get a massage appointment at 1.15 that afternoon. Just as I'm finishing my appointment and and getting dressed, my phone rings again. And that was that dreaded call. My mother, who's also 92, had fallen while opening her apartment door in the assisted living that she she is in. And I was told that that did not look good. Mm. And indeed, it turned out to be not good. Uh, She fractured her hip. Uh, she was hospitalized, and of course, again, being the only child and the and the point of contact, contact, you can imagine what my rest of the afternoon and evening right. were. So the next morning, Wednesday morning, I flew to Canada again, and uh, I was there for more than a week, and uh, to get her settled and uh, and just you know going and visiting her and. Uh, I did practice some empathy, and uh, that's where I welcomed and even a couple times called you very early in the morning since you're three hours ahead of us. Right. And and getting those nourishing conversations with you. And uh, one dear friend came and visited me also, and that had its pluses and minuses, which I'm willing to share as we go in our, uh, in our conversation mm-hmm. further. And I think I, let's share with the, the listeners. Yes, we're sharing my experiences as an example. Right. But many, many, many of us go through these similar experiences. And we are hoping that that this can use as a, we can use this as a, as an opportunity to, to help each other to be aware and to be mindful and to have empathy for ourselves as we go through. I, you, uh, and we do only have just a few minutes before the break, but you said something that I actually wrote in the article that, by the way, is supposed to appear um, April 1st in the newsletter for the National and International Council of Certi- um, Certified Dementia Practitioners. So I'm very proud about that. Oh, but great. Um, it 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 was uh, just what I wrote that that's what happens very often. Uh, there's a sudden dreaded phone call, right? That mom or dad has fallen and broken his or her hip, or uh, a stroke, or a heart attack, or maybe an increased episode of confusion, or or you know they've wandered out of the house and you know don't know where they are. And, and these are the kinds of phone calls or alerts that people receive that puts them in a situation that's that's for which a lot of people are not anywhere near prepared. Yes. And um, not that you want to prepare for these situations, but 
then it puts you in this mode. Like you say, you have that ability, but um, it, it's still stressful and fatiguing and it, it's a cause for burnout. And sometimes you don't even realize it at the time that you're going through it because you're kind of on automatic pilot. Very much so. Right. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then it kind of can hit you later on. So, I, I, you know, it's... um. I'll just share this briefly. It's not this kind of conversation. It's it's not this thing, but it's it's similar. So I have a friend who um, was uh, diagnosed with very early stage breast cancer and um, went in for surgery pretty quickly. And at the same time, uh, had a diagnosis that she had a lot of bone degeneration. And um, And she has family members that are depending on her to help them in a lot of ways. And I've been talking to her about, you You need to take care of yourself. I know you want to help your family members, but if, you're, if you don't re- do something to replenish your tank or keep yourself strong enough, you're not going to be strong enough to help them. And, and that's really what this is about. Mm-hmm. Very much, very much, Phyllis. And uh, I thank you for for bringing that, uh, the concept of empathy to to all of our attention and, uh, you know, part of resolving something or, or curing something is diagnosing and recognizing what it is. And I think the word empathy will help us, uh, uh, help us be mindful. I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm hopeful and I hope that um, listeners will reach out to us or email us with their situations or in some way that we can help them or they want to share information or situations that can help others. That would really be so appreciated to to hear from the listening audience. So with, with that, I guess we'll take a break and we'll return in a few moments on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Amen, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. This is Rubina along with Phyllis. Phyllis, we're talking about the word empathy that you have so nicely coined recently and uh, your article that you wrote, Empathy, a Tool for Resilience. And I'm so happy to see that you're remembering and, and acknowledging that the that the plight of caregivers is really really begin, beginning to be noticed and it was also represented in the rose bowl parade with the uh, with the uh, float there and uh, i i was very happy to see that float as well and actually almost had an opportunity but to go help decorate it but didn't respond fast enough so they had already enough volunteers uh, but uh, you know the we do have to take care of the caregivers so can you please share with us uh, this idea of empathy a tool for resilience with us sure thanks so um so basically empathy is is about you know, empathy is about caring for the next person, right? Mm-hmm. A- and um, but what about caring for ourselves? So it's about self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, even self-forgiveness. And um, interestingly enough, there was a a study done. Um, this really caught my eye. Um, it was a study done at seniors um, with seniors in assisted living facilities, and um, it was about their ability to cope. And uh, they found that their coping skills increased. They developed their a program called Raising Your Resilience, and um, the it, it, it the program addressed really um, gratitude and ageism you know what effect does ageism have on older people and they developed a range of activities and they found out that with empathy compassion and self-compassion that the coping skills of of seniors improved and I thought that was really terrific so so we're talking about seniors having self-compassion but what about the caregivers who, as we talked about in the last segment, you know, they're, they're sandwiched or squeezed between job and family responsibilities and the, their caregiving responsibilities. And it's a situation that's ripe for fatigue and stress and burnout. 
and um, actually even, um, you know, businesses have started to address this issue because they realize it affects productivity. You know, people are either calling out of work or they, they have to amend their work schedules or work fewer days a week. Some people even leave work and, um, you know, they make phone calls for doctor's appointments or they're preoccupied, you know, with thinking about their caregiving responsibilities. So it, it really has a tremendous effect, um, n- not only for the caregiver, but for society and, and business in general. Mm-hmm. That's that's really, really very true. And you also um, listed four ways how one can achieve or practice resilience. Can you share those with us? This is also according to the article that you, you referred to. Right. So, well, first of all, you know, what is resilience? You know, people say, oh, I'm resilient or... Um, you know, that person seems resilient, but but what does that mean? So resilience is really being flexible and, and, and being able to think thoroughly, you know, under stress, mm-hmm. um, being more mindful. So incorporating, you know, being aware of, of I call it momentary mindfulness, sometimes mm-hmm. being in the moment mm-hmm. and having more positive emotions, but um, throughout your day, mm-hmm. um Finding what gives you meaning in your day and, and having goals that extend beyond yourself mm-hmm. and um, developing, and you really alluded to this, uh, developing high quality connections with others and being able to draw on support networks when you need them. Um, th- this actually came from an article in the Journal of Aging Life Care um, that was written in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, that also tells us that there is research being done in this area, and a lot of information is uh, is available. And um, and uh, another uh, thing that you know, I always like bullet points, numbers, right? Right. One, two, three, four. Uh, you know, uh, the other thing that really touched me was the 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 stop. Oh right, the, the the mindfulness technique known as stop. Stop. So based on. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. You know, based on the work that you cited from 2010 of Stahl and Goldstein, right? And, and I thought that was something that's worth uh, worth introducing to our uh, to our audience as a yes. tool. Yeah. So stop. Well. Um, and then, uh, you know, I wanted to say that we kind of touched on this um, when we did New Year, New You. Um, sure. At the beginning of the year, we talked about mindfulness and breathing techniques. So we, we kind of actually touched on this, but from a different vantage point. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this acronym STOPS, uh, STOP, it basically is is the first ac- the first letter S is is literally what it is. Stop what you're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Pay attention to how you're feeling, what you're thinking, and to stop the tendency to react negatively. I think not everybody, but a lot of people do that. You know, it's it's a stressful situation, so you have a negative response to it. So this is where I really say it's kind of like momentary mindfulness because mm-hmm. mindfulness is being in the moment. So stop and and be present in that moment right then and there. And Take a deep breath, and this is where we talked about different breathing techniques. There are different deep breathing techniques. 
that we talked about in that other show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's diaphragmatic breathing. There's um, basic calm, calming breaths. There's this uh, Dr. Dr. Andrew Wheel 478 four, seven, eight breathing technique. There's alternate nostril breathing. There's a lot of different kinds of breathing techniques, but basically is take a deep breath, whatever form of breathing that you use, take a deep breath to kind of relax at the moment. Uh, And, um, you know, instead of becoming absorbed by your own anxious feelings, it, it can help you. It can help you relax. How many times do, or in the past, you would hear, "Listen, uh, before you react, count to ten, Right. Right. So right. it's really the same. It's based on the same principle, really, if you think about it. And then to really look at what you're experiencing in your mind and your body. Um, Is there tension in your body? Where are you holding that tension? What can you do to relax that part of your body? And then, um, and that was the O. Mm-hmm. And that was the O. And then the P is to proceed after you've identified the source of the stress, and and say to yourself, like, what's important for me right now? What what do I need? What's important for me? What's the most important thing for me to pay attention to right now? And then, you know, that gives you that momentary pause to then hopefully proceed in a more relaxed, calm, and positive manner. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, uh, that Phyllis. And you're right, everything is interconnected and all these basic principles uh, come full circle in, in every aspect. Uh, what's, the, what's the next thing you would like to share with us to highlight well, about, about empathy? Well, um, not not only about empathy, but about uh, resilience okay. um, in general, that it's been um, uh, the American Medical Association has adopted a form of resilience training for physicians. They have an online course um, or an, a module of a course about resilience, and oh. they determined that physicians who attended online resilience training were likely to be less stressed and engage better with their patients and provide better care. Um, formal nursing programs are integrating resilience training um, into their coursework. And the U.S. military, the Army, has been teaching and training resilience skills to soldiers and their families um, for many years. I think it's been since 2009 And there was a study in 2013 that found that after soldiers had participated in the program for four years, that um, they had less stress, better coping skills, better friendships, um, you know, more engagement. It was so successful and they found the importance of it. They found it so meaningful that they've adopted, um, they've introduced resilience programs to families and and teens of people who are in the Army. As you can imagine, that's a very stressful situation. And even have developed uh, training programs for the higher echelon of, of, um, of military leadership. So... It has far-reaching effects, and it's really been recognized in it as, as being very, very important in order for us to navigate the difficulties that we have in life. 
Mm-hmm. And we all have them, as we said oh. earlier. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, Phyllis, I also want to acknowledge your entrepreneurialness in this uh, in this venture. When you saw or came across the word empathy, you went forward and registered it. And I'm really proud of you for that. Oh, thanks. Thanks. You know, I just, uh, it was, it was my way of, uh, it just, like you said, it came to me and I was like, you know, I was thinking of it today, actually, gee, I wonder if this will become like a new word in the dictionary or something. <laughs> I, I, I believe it will. I believe Wouldn't that it be will. cool? Wouldn't that would, be cool? It would be very, very cool. And I think there is uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, need for, for this, you know, every concept that first turn starts out as a concept, then it needs a, a capsule to encapsulate it. Right. And I feel that that you're coming up with the word empathy has uh, has encapsulated this whole area of caregivers, caregiver support, caregivers, uh, you know, the care of caregivers. Right. Um, uh, to me, that this word encompasses all that. You know, it's interesting because obviously um, many people have been talking about caregiver burnout and fatigue and, um, um, you know, there are, there are programs on combating caregiver fatigue and there are resilience programs. And like I said, this gentleman um, did this study, uh, this doctor did this study on um, self-compassion with um, seniors. Obviously, it's something that's talked about, but... Um, uh, the word, um, I don't know, the the word hadn't come up. So maybe now the, this word will really describe that concept. Um, I'm hoping. I mean, I never thought about it at the time, but I, I actually thought about it today. So that would really be cool. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, uh, let's see how Voices for Elder Care Advocacy can, uh, can also advocate for the caregivers as well as the elders. Because oh, absolutely. We, we truly are a village. We, we truly are a village. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, caregiving, it, it's, it's not only about family caregivers, but uh, those caregivers who work in skilled nursing facilities, assisted livings, Definitely. even uh, people working in hospitals. I mean, these are stressful situations, not only because of the care that you're you're administering or giving to another person and and you're feeling for them, but um, you know, it's it's um I I had an experience the other day and um, you know, one one day I was visiting with this gentleman and he was doing great and the next day I came and he's he had passed away, and that's it's stressful. Um, we deal with it more matter-of-factly, uh, mm-hmm. in a way, um, because that's a coping strategy. But the reality is it does uh, build up inside you, and you really do need to... Um, it's like giving yourself a big hug, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we embrace... If you think about it, when, when another person is having a, an experience like that, we have a tendency to hug them. I'm sure many people hugged you. 
You know, um, yes. I would have hugged you if I could have. <laughs> was near you, I tried to hug you from afar. But, um, you know, we have a tendency to either uh, through a tender touch or a hug or an embrace. And really self-care and, and self-compassion is giving yourself that kindness and that tenderness. It's like giving yourself a big hug. And we don't think about doing that for ourselves, really. We don't. And I think you're so right that we get into this uh, coping strategy mechanism. And that's where I believe I have been. And getting back to the hugs, and uh, I appreciated them, welcomed them. And I think the most touching hugs that I got were from my two grandchildren, um, seven and nine, that uh, that uh, were able to attend the funeral with their parents. So this was their great-grandfather's uh, uh, funeral. And every few moments, I would see one or the both of them just just lean against me. And it was it was just so precious and so priceless. They didn't say anything. They just would come and just, just touch me, just lean against me, just be next to me. Uh, those hugs are invaluable. Absolutely. And that's because, like, inherently you know, they're connected to you. So they, they feel what you're feeling, even though they can't put it into words. You have a dog. And um, I was going mm-hmm. to ask if the dog um, has sensed that from you. I know we only have a few moments left, but mm-hmm. do you do you have a feeling that the dog has sensed some of your your sadness oh. or your emotion? Oh, definitely she has. Definitely, definitely she has. And actually one uh, one late afternoon when I was out on my patio and I let her loose for her evening run, she brought the ball and she basically urged me to play with her. And I, this was at sunset and I started to play with her. And I now, and then I took the picture, and that is now the screensaver on my oh, my that's cell phone. So cool. And there she is standing with the ball in her mouth, saying, "You know, come on, let's play a little." Yes, I'll show that to you, or, or I'll email that to you. Okay, so we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation on empathy, a tool for resilience. what makes the most successful people tick keep listening to the voice america empowerment channel voiceamericaempowerment.com phyllis Heyman, the voice for elder care advocacy provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab long-term care or memory care her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, 
who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on, and our conversation on empathy a tool for resilience. And right before we went to break, I was asking you about your dog, uh, Rubina, Mm -hmm. because I remembered that I had either seen a program or read an article um, quite a while ago about how there are, I don't remember if it was in a nursing home or in a hospice um, center where uh, it was a cat or a dog that came and and, uh, sat next to a person's bed when they sensed the person was going to pass away. Mm-hmm. They, they definitely can sense. They definitely can sense. And, uh, you know, my dog, who you referred to, Suha, or our dog, if I said my dog, there are some people here that would take exception <laughs> to that. You know that, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's our dog. Right. And, and when you visit us, uh, Phyllis, it's, she's also yes. your dog. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I, I remember one time, she's a German shepherd, um, seven, seven years old. And I remember one time, this I was extremely tired. I don't know what was happening at that time. I think that, but I was tired and stressed and low. And I recall her coming and putting her, her mouth on my on my knees and it was just so precious just so precious and then she puts her paw up and then she actually some one time she actually kind of held my leg with her paw around it there she is so affectionate and i'm sure many of our listeners have have dogs and pets that give them love uh, that give them love Right, and they sense that they they, they sense that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, an emotion on a different level, which is kind of what you're saying about your grandchildren. That yeah. while they couldn't put that into words, they sense the sadness. They 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 even sense it from your from your body. You know your body they positioning. You, you know your body language. So uh, these are uh, these emotions. We don't even realize sometimes what other people are picking up from us or what we're sending out to the universe, what we're conveying about how we're feeling. Um, talk about being mindful. We're not really in touch with that so much, I think. Um, but other people read these things um, they, about they us. They do. You know, and about my grandchildren for a moment, I wasn't quite sure you know, because I didn't even have time to think, but my daughter and son-in-law took the position that this was uh, an important event in their life as well. Yes, they were young, but this was their great-grandfather. 
and they would go yearly visit him. So they knew Mm -hmm. him. You know, so they knew him. And uh, my daughter and son-in-law, you know, took the initiative to come to the funeral and uh, and be there. And I think these two young seven and nine-year-old will remember it, uh, hopefully, you know, fondly uh, and reflectively in their life mm-hmm. as, they, as they grow older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a part of life. Um, but when you life. first when you first said it, that is the thought that went through my head. But as you talk about it, it, it is a part of life. And, um, you know, people who live on a, um, this may sound like a funny example, but people who live on a farm, uh, young children at a very young age experience this because... Uh, Plants die and um, animals die. There are seasons. As a matter of fact, gee, it just uh, it just dawned on me. I I attended a uh, screening of um, Atul Gawande's uh, book, Being Mortal, at a local assisted living facility. It was um, it was a program that was um, um, produced, I guess, by on a PBS. It was a PBS special. Mm-hmm. And actually, there was one person in the in this program, and he was getting ready to to pass away. He was now at home in a hospital bed, and his grandson, probably the age of one of your grandchildren, as you describe it, was sitting next to him, and he was asking him if he was sad that he was going to be leaving them mm-hmm. and not be around to experience their joys and their holidays and not know what's going on. And that's the example that he gave them. I gave mm-hmm. him that they, you know, they lived on a farm and you learn there are seasons mm-hmm. and your crops die and animals die. And you learn that from a very early age. So this was just his season. It was really a very nice way of explaining it. Well, that is that is very, very nice way of uh, explaining it. And I did, uh, you know, my grandchildren, they didn't ask me so many questions, but I did, you know, see them and, and hear them asking their parents for, for different time, different questions. And, uh, and they were very attuned to the whole process. You know, there was a lot of reflection, I think, in them that they couldn't, they probably didn't even voice. Right. Uh, I, I saw them after the funeral. I saw them yesterday in the afternoon. And uh, we have not had an opportunity to talk about it because I was not in a good position to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But in time, I will talk with them to see what it is that they learned and their reflections of, uh, you know, the great grandfather's uh, uh, the funeral. As I said, they knew him because they regularly visited him. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Once a year, they would fly up there and and visit. Mm, So that's a wonderful thing. Yes, wonderful thing. Yes. So when we're continuing, by the way, so, you know, in the break, we were talking about um, about caregivers and giving and, and all of this kind of thing. And I was saying, which I wrote in this article, that several years ago, a doctor I knew, he was a medical director at a facility that I worked at. He told me about this book, Give and Take, by Dr. Adam Grant. And I had forgotten about it, uh, to be honest, until I was uh writing the article mm-hmm. and about um, empathy and self-care and, and caregivers. So he talks about, it was actually a book on business. It, it really had nothing to do with um, caregiving in, in mm-hmm. that way. 
and it's become a landmark book actually in business. And he talks about um, having uh, three different types of of, um, of three different people types: givers, takers, and matchers. But he mm-hmm. talked about givers, and I think this is a uh, an important message for people and it, it it touches on the idea of self-care and self-kindness and self-compassion that, um, you know, givers fall into a variety of categories, but um, a couple of them are selfless givers and otherish givers. And he, he uh, advocates that people should be more otherish givers. So, People might say, "Well, what is an otherish giver?" Well, we, well, we, what would know what a selfless giver is, right? So, mm-hmm. a selfless giver is just what the word implies. They give selfless. their time and energy selflessly, right? Right. Without yes. regard to their their own needs. Mm-hmm. But as we're saying, attending to one's own needs, our own care it is just as vital as caring for the other person, right? Mm-hmm. So he's he's suggesting that people should be more of an otherish giver. Another way, in other words, to find a way to be mindful and balanced giving with our own self-interest and self-care. Mm-hmm. And probably a lot of people would say, well, you know, like that's impossible. That's like an oxymoron or, you know, counterintuitive to the idea of, of being a caregiver. But but no, it's not really. It's self-preservation. And I've, I've said this before, and I wrote it in the article. And, um, you know, when you're in an airplane and they're giving you the emergency um, instructions, what do they tell you? If the oxygen mask drops down, mm-hmm. put it on yourself first. Cover your own nose and mouth because if you're not breathing, <laughs> yes. you can't help the next person. <laughs> Uh-huh. Right? I mean, yes. it's, it's so obvious, but you have to re so so self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion is is replenishing your own tank. It's re-energizing yourself so you have enough to to care for the other person because if you burn out, you can't be helping them any longer. Uh-huh. You're you're so so right, uh, Phyllis. And my my comment to this otherish definition is it's it's what's needed, but it's the most challenging thing to implement uh, because I just went through it the last, you know, three weeks or so because all these two events happened within the last three weeks. We haven't even come to four weeks of my dad's death anniversary. And a uh, couple things. One is I think the people next to you need to remember when you forget to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, I think I was fortunate enough to have a couple people, including yourself, to, to remind me of, uh, of the, the otherish, that I need right. to be otherish versus selfish, selfless right. versus, not selfish, selfless versus, versus, versus otherish. Right? <laughs> selfless versus, uh, versus otherish. So I think the message that, that's coming through to me is, when someone is being selfless, mostly it's because they're not recognizing it. And those of us near and around that person, be mindful that, to remind them, as, as I had, uh, you know, those reminding me. And to go back to my experience, I think if I have to evaluate myself uh, over these three words, I think I'm by nature more of a 
an otherish person i will lean mm. more towards otherish than selfless what do you think how do you um i i i think it depends on the situation okay uh, when you i don't you a person may not um practice each thing um as a generality but maybe in different situations different situations yes you know depending as the need arises and it may fluctuate just like in a relationship you know it's not always 50-50 some one time it might be 70-30 one time it might be 60-40 uh-huh. so i think you have to gauge the situation maybe there are times you become more of a selfless giver I do. and yes. then there are other times when you know you become you you either you be you're aware of it and you become more of another ish giver or help, pe- help people help remind you that you need to do that because you I think you needed some reminding so okay. as a matter of fact you took the time and I was so glad remember you asked me if if you thought I sh- if I thought you should go right back home after yes. your mother's surgery or if you should stay in Canada and I said well why don't you stay there relax a day or two and you said you had this room and you liked the view outside the room and I mm-hmm. said well why don't you just you know enjoy that for a day or two and give yourself that time and you chose to do that yes yes thank you that I did choose to do that and one of my best friends and I have many best friends around the different places that I've been she came to spend time with me and it was interesting observation on my part as nice as it was for me to have her it still felt like a duty to care for her mm-hmm. she was there to care for me but i felt the duty to care for her and that's interesting you and i had that conversation which was you had said well maybe it would have been better if you would have told her I had suggested maybe it would have been better if you told her that you needed the time to yourself. And you said, if you told her that, she would have understood that. But on the other hand, because she offered to come, you felt that you wanted to allow her to do that. So Right. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes, very, very, very much. So. And I did delay her coming by one day. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of mixed emotions when you're in a situation like this. Right. And, uh, and um, you know, and, and as the person responsible, you have to be in the do mode. You have to be in the execute mode, you know, because that's just the nature of it. You know, right. you have to put systems in place. You have to make decisions. You know, you have to make calls to the funeral home. You have to talk right. to the orthopedic surgeon. You have to do this. Uh, and, and those are do things. And then you don't have the time to be because right. you're so much in the do mode. And uh, I'm finding that maybe over the next few days or a week, I will begin more to relax and be the in the B mode and and reflect on what has happened and uh, and I do understand it's a it's a life stage right uh, you know it's a it's a life it's a season right and we've been anticipating this season we've been expecting this season um, but when the season turns you still have to go through that uh, correct that process yes well, I hope I'm, I'm, I hope this has been as valuable a conversation for our listeners as it has been for me, and um, I'm glad we had the time to to have this conversation on air and and hope that that um, 
it will give people something to think about and maybe some tools that they could use or give themselves the time to allow themselves to, to care for themselves while they're caring yeah. for others. And Phyllis, how can our readers, where can we put this article or how can our, our readers access this wonderful article or blog articles you wrote? Um, because I certainly enjoyed reading it and I forwarded it to many people this morning. How can we get it in as many hands as we can? I'm going to, um, I'm going to post it on the Voice America blog. And um, people will be able to to read it there. And, of course, people could email me um, or you from the um, from the show page. And, you know, we'd be glad to share our experiences or any of the information with them. So until next time, uh, we thank our listeners and I thank you, Rubina. And um, this has been Phyllis and Rubina on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. <music>